The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. First 15 and 60 on the Eastern Conference here. Going to start with the Charlotte Hornets. Liam is going to take over that and then get to bed since it's now 1 a.m. on the East Coast. But got him to stay up and help us out here. And we're sponsored today by Blue Apron. Go to blueapron.com slash capspace and get $30 off your first order with free shipping. All right, what we got on the Hornets here, Liam? So the Charlotte Hornets so far, 5-5. Five and five. They are have a .3 net rating, an offensive rating of 105, and defensive rating of 105. So they've been about average in both those categories. So just taking a look at the four factors for them. Uh, they're not they're not turning the ball over at all, and they're getting to the line a lot. And I think you got to credit a lot of that to Dwight Howard, but also Kemba's been getting to the line way more. So that's been huge for them. They're shooting really bad in the at the at the rim, and I think part of that's going to be Dwight Howard and his post-ups. At, um, they're 57%, 25th in the league at the rim and they've been good from mid-range and from three so far and they're doing a great job of converting those second chance points when they do get on offensive rebounds even though it's not a ton uh, of them. how's uh how's dwight looked on d to you i think he's been all right i mean they're pretty good about what they ask him to do they usually sink him in the pick and roll so there's i mean the d they've hit a couple threes over him in the in the pick and roll where the offensive players pulled up from three so he's always going to struggle a little bit there but he's done a decent decent job protecting the rim they i mean they're not protecting the rim the field goal percentage at the rim for a post teams is still pretty good but they're preventing a lot of shots from there so I, th- I think he's done a good job of what they've asked of him in that respect uh i think the story of the team so far has got to be jeremy lamb though he's been sensational he's averaging 17 5 and 3 assists and i think today was the first game where he didn't score 15 in a game so he's been really consistent for him and he's got he's been shooting 58 he has a 58 percent true shooting percentage with a 20 25 percent usage rate so he's been really great and the way he's doing it's interesting he's been an elite player from the mid range 54% of his shots have been coming from the mid-range and he's shooting 56% on those so you'd expect it to come down a little bit but he's just so good there just rising over smaller players he was really cooking Dylan Brooks in the game against Memphis and he's just really not bothered by the defense when they get up in his shot so it's going to be interesting to see how they integrate Nick Batum back when you know he comes back from his injury I think that's supposed to be November 15th probably so I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that like w- would you start Jeremy Lamb with Nick Batum and have MKG come off the bench um, to get a little more defense in there or do you like both of them playing together yeah mkg looks like he's been about the same guy you know feasting on opportunities they've had to play him a lot. he's only played five games he missed some time for personal reasons but he does really choke off their spacing to a degree i think i probably would want to maximize maybe playing lamb and batum together when walker is out of the game because we saw really batum they still have all kinds of trouble at backup point guard and so you've got uh batum really who failed in that role as the 
the primary creator last year but maybe if you get he and lamb out there you get just enough scoring and overall with where charlotte has been so far this year i mean this is what we said when that batum injury happened we said hey if they can just tread water around 500 now the rest of the east has been a little better than expected but that may change uh that and i think their defense can get a lot better too as well to only be 15th i think they, they can get better there so i, I think they they should feel good about where they're at right now at five and five if they can just keep this up until batum gets back and then maybe go on a little bit of a run uh, they should feel pretty good about you know being seventh six seed something like that making the playoffs. right one small, and, what sorry uh, one small ahead. thing i wanted to mention about jeremy lamb you talked about about what he's done this year and one thing that he's been consistent on throughout his professional career and i think at uconn is that he's a very good rebounder for his position he is he has a 16 rebound rate defensively this year and he that's second best among like kind of major like starts kind of starting shooting guards and his overall rebound rate's about 10 percent, which is pretty good yeah and this is a charlotte team that always dominates on the defensive glass and uh they are second so far in defensive rebound percentage getting 82 percent of available defensive rebounds at the moment but what else have you seen just from uh like a scouting perspective on lamb liam well i think he had a couple nice blow buys his handle is really tight um he had a couple moves today where he got by jimmy butler which isn't something you'd expect so i think he's he's capable of like creating advantage off the dribble but once he gets into the paint he's not really looking to score and even when he does he's not very good at it but he's getting some good chemistry with uh dwight howard in the pick and roll and just you know being able to read the defense he he looks just really comfortable handling and you know involving his teammates i think his assist percentage is way up this year so he's definitely looks more comfortable there and he just he just seems really confident from when i've seen him and the coaching staff seems to have a lot of trust in him well yeah i mean in contrast to before and who knows i mean clifford was actually complimentary of him in camp this year which you know is not exactly something that he's been before he basically said that he like wasn't mentally prepared to play two years ago in that playoff series against miami despite the fact that his numbers in terms of the on off stuff were pretty good that season but they certainly have needed him with some of the injuries that they've had i think monk also you know he's probably someone we can do a deep dive on uh, at a later time um but just in general like where is he statistically so far well he's been pretty terrible shooting the ball so far he's 32 percent from three and 43 percent true shooting percentages so he's not and he's not really getting to the rim at all he's i think i saw him in the in the time i saw him i only saw him get like one drive where he you know beat a closeout and finished in the lane over like no help so he's really struggled in that respect but and, and his offensive rating's been really bad too he's been the main guy running those second units when uh Kemba leaves the game and he's played a little bit with Jeremy Lamb but when Lamb's not out there it's basically all him and the, the offense is really struggling in those units they had a couple stretches uh against the Spurs where the bench came in and they just completely fell apart offensively and the, the one thing I will say for him is that he's done a nice job passing he showed more passing ability than I thought he'd have um a, a couple lobs to Dwight in the pick and roll uh he had one pass where he drove baseline and I thought he was going to be a for sure turnover and he whipped it out perfectly online to uh, a shooter spotting up so I think I think there's some things to feel good about he had he had a huge fourth quarter against the Bucks, and he had 18 points and you know helped win them that game but uh and, and that's kind of what you'd expect at this point for like a combo guard that they're, they're gonna have their struggles but as long as you see some flashes to get excited about I think there's you know reason for optimism but also he has struggled so far so it'll be interesting to see as the season moves forward yeah and I think for him it's another one of these oh you know you see a couple of games oh look at these highlights he had 17 in the fourth in this game but then of course you look at his numbers overall and they're not that good because when he has a bad game you just you know it's, you don't hear about so uh again 19 year old small guard usually gonna have some struggles but at least he's had so, some moments as you said you mentioned their bench struggles and that of course has been the issue and perhaps the loss of a tomb has been that but more even just their complete failure to get anyone at back a point guard and while i did like the howard trade that really hamstrung them in terms of what they're able to do with the 
luxury tax, which of course Michael Jordan will never ever pay. Uh, and so if you look at some of their ratings here, MKG 13 net rating, Walker 11 net rating, Howard has been pretty high, Lamb, all the starters. And then you, you get into some of their bench units and, and Kaminsky, who still just cannot hit it. He'll have a couple of games, good games as well, but you know, he's shooting 30% from three. Again, you know, that, he, that was supposed to be his big skill. Cody Zeller, plus minus monster Cody Zeller. They just have not been able to score. And Kemba, their offensive rating with him on the floor is 112 with him off 81.2 in 138 minutes so that is uh yeah when we when you say and this is something that danny you were hitting on before any of us really just like yeah there are a lot of great point guards but if you don't have one you are completely screwed and that of course is what we're seeing with charlotte so far and maybe batum can help out with that um all right anything else on them or can we uh move on to a read and then the atlanta hawk um just one more small thing i know i don't want to make this go as long as the king section last week but uh uh i think i mean dwight howard he's gotten some praise for having a good start to the season and i think he has i think this the biggest thing he brings to the team is that he's able to push cody zeller to the bench so he's really upgrading that backup big position but he's still he's still having some struggles offensively 20 percent turnover percentage he's always been bad there and he's still not you know hugely efficient 53 percent true shooting percentage so he, he's done a lot of what they've asked him but like i i don't think i think it's fair to not go too far overboard saying that dwight howard's been great this season he's still had some of his usual struggles all right uh one thing i am not going to have a struggle with is making blue apron in my new place i spent the whole weekend taking the whole place apart unpacking so we are ready to go with cooking and just in time our blue apron is going to be arriving this week we've got pipe regate pasta and beef bolognese along with barramundi and brown butter sauce with farro and grapes so looking forward to cooking that my fiance was out of town this weekend we're going to start making it tomorrow we usually get the four person recipes and then we have some leftovers over for the next day if you're not familiar with blue apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country they make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone by giving you pre-portioned ingredients so there's no food waste they even have meals that you can make in less than 30 minutes now and if you look at hey what would it cost to get these ingredients at a high-end food store versus from blue apron you'd be spending far more to make the same meals not to mention that it's much less expensive than going out it's only ten dollars per meal per person so check out this week's menu seriously just go to that blueapron.com slash capspace url and i think you'll be really excited about the options that they have there blueapron.com slash capspace that's blueapron.com slash capspace blue apron a better way to cook okay let's do the atlanta hawks now two and eight negative 9.1 net rating that is bad at 27th they really struggled with dennis Schroeder out for a couple games with an ankle injury last week their big problem is their offensive rating 28th in the NBA in non-garbage time per Ben Falk site, uh, 100.9. The defense, we had ha- actually had slightly higher hopes for, uh, but with so many young guys that they're playing, hasn't quite gotten there. They are a 110 defensive rating that is 23rd in the NBA. Danny, what do you got on the Hawks here this week? So I had a theory, operating theory, that fell into a little bit of turmoil later in the week. But so my idea was basically that they could be this year's magic. And so last year my my idea with last year's magic which is kind of bearing out this year is that they were a decent defense sabotaged by a terrible offense and so early in the week it looked better now their half court defense is 25th in points per possession it was 17th when i started doing research on it but then they played the rockets and the Cavs. that's the sort of thing that happens when you play those teams but they have the fourth highest opponent transition frequency and a high point per play and a lot of that is because they're just not converting that many baskets and so teams are going to get more looks in transition and i, I cracked up because 
because I had done all this kind of work, you know, I've, I've tweeted this for people who follow me about their schedule being really rough for November and like, whoa, what's going to happen if they're basically out of it by December and then they go and beat the Cavs in Cleveland. Uh, Though that's actually don't worry, been they've been out of common it. among bad They've teams. been out of it since yeah. July, so I don't think it really is, is going to affect their planning too much. Right. That That's true. And, and they don't. it's not like they have that much they can move. The complicated thing just to keep it in the back of your mind is what they want to do with Deadman because Deadman has a player option for next year. So how that works for other teams. And obviously he signed as a free agent. So you kind of want to do right by him, at least in the early part of the season. But the real bright spot for them beyond they've had a couple other guys that have played well and they wrecked the Cavs in pick and roll today is John Collins. Collins is eighth in the entire NBA in offensive rebounds, 17%, which is great. Second among rookies in PER, 21.45 behind Jordan Bell and was massive in that fourth quarter against the Cavs, including drawing three fouls in about a minute. Yeah, all just going for offensive rebounds, which was, was incredible. And we'll talk more about the Cavs issues, but he really dominated physically. And then he had, he dunked on someone. I call it the Kelly Tripuca. There was a dunk that Michael Jordan had on Kelly Tripuca when he was on the Hornets. You've probably all seen it where he comes down on the right side, does an in and out, and then just takes off on Tripuca who like jumps up to stop him and then just like ends up turning his back and like MJ like lands on his back like uh he got Chetty Osmond with that today um and I mean, just what he's able to do pursuing the ball on offensive rebound just like it really I I love everything about it and he combines I mean Tristan Thompson is a really hard worker and his cancer you know those guys are hard workers cancer was wonderful today going on, on the offensive glass in their victory over the Indiana but Collins combines that level of pursuing the ball like he's not as much of a position guy in terms of like hey he's gonna get his butt into you box you out and like control space but he just has elite physical tools and he just goes after every ball and he covers ground and he can jump over guys and go get it and he does it generally without fouling so it's very impressive he also has been a wonderful pick and roll finisher as well it still complicates things a little bit uh, he closed today's game actually with luke babbitt of all people with ursan Ilyasova out they just needed someone who can get some shooting on on the floor um and they didn't go to mike muscala they went to babbitt instead um but collins is just he's been a great offensive center uh, as liam noted he's looked a little bit better switching out on guys on the perimeter but I, I think they should be excited about him offensively and then i think like dennis Schroeder has been about as good as could have been expected so far this year shooting 36 percent from three-point range coming into today and then he absolutely torched the Cavs, who you know have no good pick and roll defenders at the point of attack and no good players at the rim so he there's a perfect matchup for him because he's not a great finisher but he can get to the rim and so if there aren't good rim protectors to stop him you know he can make them pay uh, every time he wasn't the only Hawks point guard to look good today Isaiah Taylor has had a nice run since Malcolm Delaney has been out came in from well from the G League but also from the Houston Rockets he you know had a, it looks like he had a chance to make their team but then they ended up with Bobby Brown which is fine and I thought he's looked better than Delaney at least so far yeah he has he, he played really well in the D League at the D League showcase when I was sitting with Dylan Murphy our podcast guest from a week and a half ago he was talking about how he thought Isaiah might be the best point guard in the D League playing for Rio Grande Valley and then with Houston's roster crunch they had to move on from him and, and he's played pretty well he plays like a rocket I mean he's only played 80 minutes so far so I'm not gonna go crazy I'm sorry no he's played uh, a little over 100 minutes but takes no shots basically outside of 10 feet except for threes shooting over 40 percent on threes and he's he's just quick and he really had what people said was the best handle in the D League so you see that he's got enough explosion at the rim he's not a small guy I mean a lot of these good D League point guards just don't have NBA size and, and at 
six three in shoes, six four wingspan. Taylor is not quite that kind of smaller, you know, six foot type of guy. So he has enough size. He's shown decent quickness off the dribble, and so I, I like him. I think he's an NBA player. I, I went and looked at him more closely after Dylan mentioned him. Twenty three years old, but uh, so not a spring chicken in terms of prospects, at least. But I've really liked uh, what I've seen from him so far. I think he can maybe be a quality backup point guard. We'll see whether the shooting holds up. Uh, but at this point, just in terms of the eye test and statistically what we've seen so far, he's looked good. Anything else on them, or do you want to move on? A uh, couple other things here. Actually, we'll call it one thing. I've been interested to see how Torian Prince looked guarding LeBron. I had not really seen that matchup very much so far, and you know to see how strong Prince was. And LeBron still just like absolutely trucked him. It, it was <laughs> LeBron is just on another level for anyone who has the quickness to guard him. I mean, there may be you know five or six guys who can move their feet with him and avoid just like getting bludgeoned in the post and with the Cavs offensive struggles that he's gone to the post more recently uh let's move on to, to Boston where are they right now the Boston Celtics are eight and two including winning their last eight in a row they lost opening night and then the next night to the Bucks, and they haven't lost since positive 11.1 net rating is the best in the league offensive rating is 17th in the league and they have the league's number one defense still yeah they are forcing a, a lot of missed shots today against Orlando that continued although Orlando is in some difficulty now with their top two point guard injured at the moment we did their game which was a great game for the Twitter NBA show on Friday what did you take away from watching that one I really liked how they kept on battling and that Stevens was willing to go away from the things that weren't working. So they ended up using Marquis, sorry, Marcus Morris. At some point in my life, I'll get to be better with that. And instead of Aaron Baines in the starting, kind of the starting second half lineup, and what that did is it opened up space for Kyrie Irving. Stephen Adams was an absolute monster in that first half, partially because he got to be around the basket. And Irving, I think he was like one of nine in the first half. And of course, some of that was also his mid-rangers and his threes going in. In, but that adjustment was important and I like that Stevens went away from it and their young guys continued to play well which has been one of the big through lines of this season so far oh yeah Jalen Brown hitting 43 percent from downtown now and averaging about 15 points a game 21 percent usage he's been efficient from the field one thing that's actually really holding him back right now is well actually there's really two things one is his free throw shooting only 58 percent he has always struggled from the foul line part of a reason you might think perhaps that his shooting is not real but he's always it's funny he's always been a confident outside shooter he's always always hit them okay uh except during that year at cal when it was such a weird team with no spacing or anything um and it, he definitely will like take mid-rangers he's getting into like more iso post-ups as well these days but just can't hit a free throw i mean he was 65 from the line in college and really he's one of those guys where you're like hey there's no excuse for like not being a better free throw shooter and then the other thing is just his passing uh, on the season he has eight assists in 10 games for a guy who with that high of a usage it's got to get better than that and he doesn't really get any steals or blocks either and he's not a great rebounder so like his scoring has been good his on-ball defense has looked good other than when he guards LeBron for some reason whenever he guards LeBron he just get completely destroyed but against everyone else he's looked good against Paul George I thought he did a nice job contesting Paul George's jumper uh, on some of the isos that he faced and and that leads me into my next point which is OKC is almost always going to have an advantage with either Carmelo or Paul George with a size advantage 
advantage as an isolation scorer and that was just not the case against Boston like pretty much anyone that Boston is running out there on the the wing other than Kyrie even Terry Rozier is big for his size uh other than their point guards anyone on the wing and they switch very seamlessly smart Tatum Marcus Morris Brown all those guys really are quality defenders on the wing semi Ojale is a brick and so and he's looked good defensively he was out there for a big part of their run on Friday been just impressed by this defense it does not have a ton of weak points and while teams have shot very poorly against Boston especially for mid-range a lot of those mid-rangers are pretty well contested because it's late clock iso type of plays yeah and one thing that I want to keep an eye on is that they have been much better defensive rebounding so far this year and I think they'll be better than they were last year they are playing you know Baines is a a different rebounder than Kelly Olynyk, obviously and they have Marcus Morris but still I don't think they're going to be you know towards the top in that and that could erode some of their defensive gains and the other thing to watch is their three-point shooting from kind of you know the other the other non the non-Kyries let's call it Jason Tatum is at 52 percent right now you mentioned Jalen Brown's about 43 Al Horford is 17 of 33 from three so far he was molten in that second half against OKC and three of three today against Orlando so as those come back to earth a little bit you maybe you get some gains from Kyrie who's in the low 30s right now but that those sorts of things like we've been seeing with their opponent today Orlando that can erode some of the positives that they're beginning on the defensive ground but they're still far better they've looked far better in these eight games than I anticipated yeah and Horford has a 13 net rating 92 defense rating when he's on the floor and offensively they have not scored very well when he has been off the floor actually no I'm sorry that is oh yeah yeah Yeah, when he I was looking at Baines but that was uh when Baines is off the floor their offensive rating has been 112 which is uh pretty fantastic and so Baines a lot of the time either you know they're with the second unit and they'll have smart on the floor with him so if that's just a proxy for when Horford is out there by himself as the lone center when Baines is off the floor this offense really is hummed and they really need Horford out there as a steadying influence a ball mover spacing the floor you saw what he did to Steven Adams down the stretch just could not deal with them then they had to start switching everything and Kyrie was able to work off those switches so Horford has been so important with this young team to date one small point on Aaron Baines it's something that I think could be a a greater focus around the league in the next couple of years which is a guy who's good enough to play center when you don't want to put as many minutes on your guy who's kind of a a four or five and then but not so good that you can that you feel comfortable moving away from them and that's actually the the archetype of what I wanted for the Pelicans with Anthony Davis they got boogie so I'm not going to say oh they made a mistake to get to Marcus Cousins especially for what they did but a lot of these teams that have guys like Anthony Davis and Al Horford that are probably better at center but don't want to play there full-time you want to get a guy like Aaron Baines especially if you can do it for the room mid-level or something of that ilk to take that regular season heat off them but still open the door for big postseason minutes at the five yeah I mean, Zaza Pachulia of course would fall into that category as well and maybe Omar Asha could have been that guy for the Pelicans but then they massively overpaid for him and you know he, he obviously has had like a number of issues since then yeah Baines you mentioned him he has been a great lesson for young big because he can't really jump at all and he's gotten dunked on a couple of times this year but he had one play against Giannis where he was unjustly I thought called for a foul and then another one against OKC I want to say it was against Jeremy Grant where he just shows you that even if you are small and even if you can't jump that high your chest is your best weapon as a rim protector and so getting into position jumping and if your chest hits the guy far enough outside the lane or away from the basket you're not going to get dunked on no matter what because it's just too far away they can't just go through you and dunk um and you saw it exactly with the honest like 
Giannis almost just threw it in over him but he still was just even Giannis was too far away so if you have that technique properly and he's getting a reputation now for that verticality and getting some calls there also Marcus Smart has been an offensive liability certainly was outstanding defensively especially in that OKC game he's always going to bring that but he really and I also like what they do with him and post-ups against smaller guard ducking in but other than that he's still shooting too much I mean he had a huge usage rate earlier in the season that's come down but overall 21 percent usage and true shooting like well down into the forts again just not hitting the threes taking take some bad shots um and while he's a versatile defender and a solid player I mean it's just it's very difficult to start him when he's just this bad uh, offensively and, and especially as a playoff player you know he's just not going to get guarded a lot of times it didn't get guarded in that playoff series last year so I think unless he can really step it up offensively and on this team they have so many better options he really should not be doing that I mean unless he's going to play selfishly in a contract push but I, I think if he turned down eight figures a year on a long-term deal I, I think he's going to live to regret that so yeah it's actually something Jared Dubin and I talked a little bit about on Real Jam Radio about the idea of these restricted free agents that the teams that they're on want to match on them are just going to get absolutely wrecked by this market but let's move on to the Brooklyn Nets the Nets are three and six negative 4.7 net rating which is 24th in the league 13th in offense 27th in defense and I think that 27th in defense is important for the time being because that limits their ceiling even if they are as fun and feisty as they have been and I think there's very little chance that they improve to get out of the bottom five defensively they just don't have the personnel Russell is a disaster on defense they're playing you know some of these all offense lineups a lot of times with like Rondé Hollis Jefferson at the five Rondé's been pretty effective but you know i mean you're just you're not going to rebound you're not going to protect the room like big guys still do serve a purpose in the nba especially in most games against most teams in the regular season so it's hard for to see how they're going to get better defensively and the offense you know i think 13th with this personnel is pretty good they have a lot of guys who are shooting it well from three though we'll see if that continues and they're three and six now i mean it seemed like to some degree that loss at home to phoenix was a little bit of a turning point a team that they in theory should have beaten but for them it's you know they're kind of right about where we thought it was like oh man they look so good like uh, that pick is gonna be like way lower than we thought and eh, you know they're on pace for 27 wins like let's calm down something to watch with them especially with lynn being out is just how they're going to figure out the rest of their perimeter rotation and one of the concerning elements is that karis Levert has had a rough start to the year 42 percent true shooting per just under eight and i think he could be better served in the second unit i've been advocating for alan crab to start just because you want to know what you have in him and everything else. But fortunately, they've been getting production from Damari Carroll, which might end up being significant down the road. Yeah, one of KP's theoretical off-the-wall predictions was that Carroll actually could be traded by the Nets before this contract is over, and they could actually get positive value back for him. And if he keeps playing like this, that will absolutely be correct, and maybe they'll just want to hold on to him, frankly. Uh, but yeah, shooting 42% from three-point range, and just overall, the activity level that marked his play in Atlanta is back making a lot more effort plays and he's been empowered more to attack off the dribble in advantage situations closeout situations and he's done well there so he looks athletically you know he's not just kind of limping around out there he looks like he actually is out there and playing you know and we'll see how long his knees can hold up but it certainly seems like 
for the time being he's passed those knee problems that plagued him in Toronto the last couple the last thing wanted to talk about with this team and I think we're probably going to do a much deeper dive on him I would like to wait a couple months just to get to get more of a sample but the massive question with the Nets for this year the evaluation point is D'Angelo Russell yeah and he has been operating now I think they wanted to kind of ease him into this role more than they did but now with Lynn out for the year he's been the the their sole impetus when he's been in the game 56 percent of his possessions come as a pick and roll ball handler that's 13.1 possessions a game and that's in only 28 minutes per game so he has basically the most possessions per game in pick and roll but he's playing far fewer minutes than some of these other guys um and he still can't in maybe that's part of why he's so bad defensively the other part is because he's not good defensively no matter how tired or not tired he is uh very little off ball work from him only 16 spot up possessions i do think that that's something an aspect of his game they're hoping to explore more uh maybe he can play more minutes with dinwiddie the breakdown in terms of on off between he and dinwiddie dinwiddie plus 5.8 net rating and russell by far the worst net rating on the team negative 14.1 and so as much as he's been scoring and he has a huge 34 percent usage so far with dinwiddie on the floor 113 offensive rating with russell on the floor 101.7 so huge difference almost 10 11 points worse on offense and then defensively they're almost 10 points worse as well with russell out there i think that the starting lineup you know russell hasn't been playing as much with crab he's been playing with lavert who as you mentioned has really really struggled as well offensively so you know i'm not sure how much of that is russell's fault but it will be something to monitor as especially the defensive component of that and later on once he gets back i'd like to go more into jared allen i've i've liked what he's done so far but he's missing some time right now and with young bigs who aren't playing full minutes you want to get a much larger sample before you really start going into it sure well you want to get a much larger sample (laughs) actually you know what i I would say this actually danny i would say with young bigs you need less of a sample than with guards because they're not really oh i agree they're not as dependent on you know hot three-point shooting for a little while to really bump up their numbers so i think like you can if you see flashes in a young big and you can get an idea just by watching two or three games whether they know what they're doing defensively um so i i actually and their and their competitiveness on the boards and like a lot of it also you can learn what a guy can do on their second jump that's something that i've gotten better at looking at and the guys that are good on second jumps collins i think has done a pretty good job there too that the that's something that you can see pretty early though it does change over the course of their first couple years yeah after a disappointing couple of seasons ronde hollis jefferson has quietly been very solid he's as i mentioned he's even playing some at center starting at power forward although again it was one of the big problems for this team they've been getting up a ton of threes they've been trying to play fast but they still don't really have a great option as a stretch four right now i mean quincy ac has looked okay but he's been been out with an injury there he's certainly been encouraged to take threes they have mozgov taking a few threes as well that's a mozgov being out there might be another reason why russell's numbers are, are so low uh that combination wasn't too good on the lakers last year either by the way um but ronde i mean just with what his job is he's been shooting great from mid-range over 50 percent. and while that won't continue he actually has quietly been all right for mid-range for a couple of years now he has kind of this weird jumper where he shoots on the way down but that actually isn't so bad in mid-range it's just when he gets out to three that it really is form breaks down and he just can't get it that far to the rim with his shot motion um and he hasn't really been shooting any threes at all but uh he's carved out 21 percent usage somehow you don't think of him as like that much of a high usage player but just on energy stuff not getting plays run for him getting out in transition he's looked a lot better he still hasn't quite shown the athleticism that i remember seeing from him in arizona that 
that I hope for him. I mean, you don't see him really go in and like dunk on guys the way I thought that we might see from him. But certainly he's having about as good of a start to the season as could have been hoped offensively. Defensively, I think he still helps things, but you know, I'm not sure you can quite put him in like the stopper role yet. Ready to move on to the Bulls? No. Anyway, Bulls are two and six. They have a negative 7.2 net rating. That's 26th in the league. They're dead last in offense and fourth in defense. And so there's this duality that I was not expecting at least to happen to this degree where they are 28th or lower in three of the four offensive four factors. The only exception there is offensive rebounding. They're top half of the league barely, but they're top six in three of the four defensive four factors, including second in defensive rebounding. So you have this team that is, you know, that maybe they're actually the, you know the the team that they're being a little bit sabotaged by their offense more so than what i've said about the hawks about half an hour ago yeah and one thing i talked about with stefan no on the podcast that we did together was that maybe this team might not be that bad uh, on defense that the the their guards aren't that bad done is looked pretty good defensively in his minutes although he's struggled in large part on offense and lopez is is a solid center for sure um but a lot of it is just they are forcing not really forcing but getting lucky on on some misses on mid-range jumpers but their shot mix given up is not too bad and robin lopez has been part of that forcing a lot of floaters as opposed to letting guys get all the way to the rim and they're giving up a fair number of threes but you know these aren't the hallmarks of like a terrible defense i think part of this is real i mean and while you know david nwapa for example has been moved into the starting lineup and he's a quality defensive player he's got some energy their point guards have some energy uh lopez is good and marketing actually has looked solid as well the thing that's uh and we'll get to talking about marketing's offensive game a lot more they actually have a positive 4.2 net rating with robin lopez on, on the floor and i think they've only had two Two minutes without either Lopez or Felicio on the floor and Felicio and, and it's not been all him but he himself has not played well with him on the floor remember he got uh, that four-year 32 million dollar contract that I thought they were very aggressive in offering him even though I will admit that I thought he could be a solid player he certainly has not been anywhere close to that he is a negative 36.8 net rating in 128 minutes so far so I mean that's amazing to think of that they're positive with Robin Lopez out there and yet they have like their starting center who plays half the game they're positive with him out there and yet they're like basically the worst team overall that's incredible yeah it's insane and they could resolve you know some of this stuff just with time also getting Miritich back eventually will be a big help and as we talked about a little bit on I think it was middle last week he's not going to have surgery they just they're going to wait for it to heal and as you said the the biggest thing that we need to watch at least at this part in the year is Lowry marketing one more thing before we transition in there sure let me give you some of the offensive ratings for their bench guys Oh no. Chris Dunn, 82.9. Denzel Valentine, 85. Paul Zipser, who was replaced as a starter by Nwaba, 87. Quincy Pondexter, 86. And then the aforementioned Felicio, 73 offensive rating in his minutes. So it's hard to, while that negative 36.8 net rating is obviously horrendous, it's hard to blame, you know, a 73 offensive rating on just your center. Um, You know, that's not his main job to, to score for you. So, I mean, that's really incredible. They just are not getting any kind of 
offensive emphasis i mean even someone like justin holiday lopez like those guys are taking a ton of mid-range shots but at least they're able to create shots like without turning the ball over like they can't even create a shot without marketing and holiday and and lopez in there yeah i mean and and they're going to benefit from getting eventually getting zach levine back but zach levine that only just slides slightly better offensive players to the second unit he's not going to be playing as much with those guys but let's move on to marketing and i think the biggest thing for me with him is actually something you turned me on to with Jokic, but is true with Markinen too, which is that he's not only good at attacking switches, but part of what he does well is that he attacks extremely early, which is what you have to do. He attacks early and he attacks when you say early, it's not only that he goes right at the guy before the double team gets there, it's that he does his work even beforehand, right? If he gets the switch, he is able to seal the guy. He's gotten some really nice high lows uh, from Robin Lopez also. Um, and he gets lobs and then when he catches on the lob he's not necessarily going up for an alley-oop but he is able to just catch and go right up quickly before he gets stripped before the help can arrive he's got a couple of quick dunks that way i mean he's a true seven footer and and he moves extremely well so he has 11 post-ups he scored 11 points that's excellent production for post-ups all of which occur in the half court and your half court offense is not amazing uh he's comfortable going over either shoulder in the post as well he's got a soft jump hook when he can't get all the way to the rim he's got an okay left hand around the rim and, and he can go over his right or left shoulder with the turnaround jumper uh he'll run the floor hard and get like deep post position against smaller players to pick up fouls also uh so i like that the other thing that's really been extremely effective for him is he's been used coming off of screens a lot so he has uh 17 possessions doing that and if he's being guarded by even a traditional four man or even you know a combo forward type those guys are not used to coming off screens and, and lopez set some really good screens they're not going to switch out on him so as a seven footer to have the footwork to do that and take threes has been good what's been a disappointment for him is that he's only seven out of 27 on spot up jump shots and in pick and pop he is shooting it much better he's got 25 points on 17 possessions as the role man and seven of 11 on pick and pop jumper which is a outstanding work from him there and he also never turns it over which is a, a nice thing for him too he's very kind of dirk like in that way as well that he makes a quick decision on it so i think i think the spot ups a lot of times that's just him getting thrown a flaming bag he's had to take some really contested shots and they're also just there's nobody to draw the defense and set him up for a spot up he's got to come off a screen or it's got to be a pick and pop situation but i really liked that the post-ups is what i've been most impressed by because it means that you can't just switch him you know you can't switch your point guard onto him. and if they ever get a real point guard in chicago i think he can become a hell of a weapon something else i like about Markin, and this was again true with Jokic, is that he came over young he's still 20 he doesn't turn 21 until the playoffs which he will not be playing in and that means that he can really grow into this and he is more and it's not like he's an older more skilled guy he's just good at these things at a younger age and that's really good to see for somebody who came over and it makes sense when you look at what his background is and the, the guys that he's played against both in league basketball but also in things like the like Eurobasket. and so we can jump from them to the Cleveland Cavaliers the Cavs are four and six have a negative 6.7 net rating which is 25th in the nba sixth offense dead last in defense dead 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 last in defense it really has been a big problem now some of that of course is due to unsustainable shooting from opponents 42 percent from three uh and but the bigger problem is they're giving up 33 attempts per game which is six most in the nba and teams are making you know 51 percent on corner threes and even no matter how wide open you are and how bad your defense is nobody gives up that bad of percentage 
but they also are really just struggling offensively which i i still think is perhaps the bigger issue they've been starting to give chaining fry some minutes they scored like crazy against washington but then really until the very end of the game today when they waged a furious comeback against atlanta they were not really effective offensively i think at one point they were three out of 22 today on three pointers then they went six of ten in the final frame to get back into it but they trailed by what 19 points or something today during the game yeah i believe it was something like that and they were getting roasted rose and in particular but also Dwayne wade had some pick and roll troubles channing fry as you mentioned and what i think has to be a big concern for cleveland is really when you think about well what can they do so i was there was a conversation i had with kevin o'connor on twitter about because he was talking something about basically like derrick rose can't play in the playoffs and i said well who are they going to use and the big problem with them is people are talking about oh you know lebron's a point guard or wade's a point guard and that's what part of the reason why i harp on this difference between the position and that is because Dwayne wade and lebron james cannot guard point guard they at this point in their career a you don't want lebron to do it and b wade can't and so yeah those guys can shoulder the offensive burden but then you need somebody to actually guard the point guard so they can try shumpert there they can try jr smith there but really they're tied to the guys that they have and isaiah Derek rose and jose calderon all actively suck guarding opposing point guards i actually wouldn't say that isaiah is so bad guarding opposing point guards like he'll actually at least fight to get over the screen it's more really when he gets taken advantage of in post like i think he he at least tries to execute i mean i'm not saying he's yeah okay so i'll I'll clarify he sucks at defense he doesn't he's not terrible at that specific part yeah i mean i'm not saying that he's like a a quality defender or anything but uh you know he's not as bad at that as he is at just you know getting posted up and 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 then as a help defender obviously he's powerless as well um yeah wade had a good game today uh i think he had 25 points uh, missed what could have been a game tying tip in late as they were down seven points with under 30 seconds to go and, and were able to get a couple of one winning attempt from fry and then potentially a tying attempt from wade that both rolled off the rim uh wade is really falling apart uh points per shot attempts he's in the 12th percentile for his position you know far worse of course than he was in his heyday in miami taking 69 percent of his shots from mid-range that is uh really bad that's more than just about any other shooting guard and very few of his shots at the rim he's only making 48 percent at the rim which is miserable and maybe the worst part of it is now he just doesn't get fouled anymore he's a free throw rate is only 11 percent his previous career low was 29 percent last year and so he hasn't had the ball in his hands he's been inefficient and of course he kills the spacing for everyone else and he sucks on defense so uh other than that it's been a great sounding that those numbers the the free throw rate will get a little bit better after today's game because i think he got to the line like six or eight times yeah. and he did look better in that way but it's still just this massive concern and when you think about what his bread and butter was as a star it was getting to the line and then making some of those shots and also being i, I think of him as being a good finisher through him i don't remember what the numbers bear out with that he is still a, a wonderful shot blocker he is at 1.8 percent of of possessions which is one of the best number but best rates of all shooting guards in the entire league so you have that but you don't really have much else and the challenge as always with dealing with players like wade who are well respected and who have a voice in this whole process and is much loved by their franchise player is how do you reconcile this and he deserves credit for willingly going to the bench but that is something different from potentially marginalizing him especially when they have everybody healthy and we might be getting to the point where that's what's best for the team yeah we'll see i mean i'm not sure who else is supposed to play though i mean shumpert has been out so maybe they bring him back but i mean their other problem is just that their bigs are so bad defensively i mean they brought in fry and fry tries he knows where to be but he just doesn't have the physical tools kevin love left today's game with an illness i mean this is something we'll talk about later but i, I 
get asked about this on the radio today of like you know what are they going to do and i think exploring love's trade value might potentially be the next step um but they also got to get more uh, out of jr smith too i mean if he just starts hitting his shots i think a lot of their offensive problems at least it will go away and he still gets guarded obviously but man has it been a, a struggle for him so far this season he is 9 of 43 on three-pointers shooting 21 percent. that's actually up from where he was before and his two-point shooting not much better 42 percent, and his usage is really low as well so he's taking fewer shots part of that problem too is because they don't have as many shooters on the floor so he's not getting left as often they're not setting him up as much and then jay crowder you know they've been having to play jeff green a lot more he's been like closing games they've been playing games with like him at the four and lebron at the five they did that a lot today once love had that illness and they really only have like love and fry maybe which lou didn't even want to trust until thompson went out um jay crowder i thought brian windhorst had an interesting nugget on the what is it the hoops hoop collective podcast the former true hoop podcast last week that jay crowder really was not in the type of shape that he wanted to be in coming into the season because he spent a lot of time with his ailing and, and now deceased mother over the off season and so he, he's got to kind of get back to being the, the player that he was in boston uh, on both ends as well crowder is only 29 percent from three himself jeff green is 28 percent, and kyle corver is the only guy who, who can hit a three he he in love and then lebron has been actually unconscious shooting the ball uh and real quickly before we talk about that 57 point game from lebron uh they've tried to go into ante zizic these last two games he has looked completely lost in pick and roll defense he's getting way too high up to the level of the ball and just allowing easy passes to the roll man uh he's fumbled some passes out of bounds offensively not really clear what he's providing yet i mean maybe he can provide some energy and just generally run around more which is something that this team doesn't exactly specialize in and then jenny osmond haven't seen much from him yet uh other than just getting dunked on today by by john collins um and, and then lebron's defense i mean there he's definitely had real low effort possessions a lot of times and i think maybe these last few years that lebron has probably gotten too much of a pass for how bad the regular season defense is because he really just gives very very low effort on a lot of possessions and then and because he can be good defensively this contrast is so stark but you know he's being asked to do so much offensively you kind of understand it but like if he if you just play at like 70 percent effort all the time instead of 100 percent effort 20 percent of the time and you know 20 percent effort the other 80 percent of the time i think they might be a lot better defense another reason why he gets that is because he still has some of those highlight plays like that block he had on Giannis, and then he had he was he was the one who obliterated collins today right like i I think he just has those highlight blocks like once or twice a game and everybody's like oh look at lebron like he could still do that but he's just not doing the possession by possession impact and having jay crowder helps with that you know and it'll help even more when jay crowder is in you know tip-top shape but that is a a, it is a hemorrhaging factor for their defense and it is something to watch but i mean if you watch the film you could just you could count it up there are possessions on which he tries and possessions in which he doesn't and it's very obvious like which one is which and their help defense is so abysmal broadly speaking that he's basically the only guy who can do it so especially with tristan out right now so that's going to be a big issue but we should talk a little bit about the 57 point game we covered it on the twitter nba show we're going crazy as it was going on tied the cleveland cavaliers record for most points in a game tied Kyrie's record and it was a just ridiculous efficient performance from him he was feasting at the rim but also he was hitting his jump shots and ended the game 23 of 34 from the field two of four from three yeah his shoot i think he was 11 of 11 from the restricted area against washington and i think so yeah and then at the end he just was getting into the post and for some reason washington was not doubling him you know they actually put john wall on him at one point is their best option which you know 
was not a great uh look for Otto Porter there if your max small forward is like seeding to your point guard to, to guard LeBron and Wall tried but it, you know obviously he's far too slight as is pretty much everyone on watch and maybe Markeith Morris could have gotten there eventually but he was having a really bad game in his first game back we'll get to that with Washington but LeBron was just getting in the post he was hitting ridiculous fadeaways he took he, he didn't make it but he took maybe the most ridiculous shot I've ever seen anyone take like not in a late clock situation in the half court with 12 on the shot clock he had the ball on the left wing and then dribbled into the left corner and took a one foot fadeaway three fading into the left corner I've never seen anyone take a shot like that before like not even Steph Curry takes shots like that from three-point range from the dead corner like I don't know what he was thinking but he was just he really you could tell was extremely motivated by some of those comments that, that the Wizards had made about oh they were ducking us last year and blah blah, blah. like uh and, and he just was toying with that team it was remarkable and perhaps not coincidentally the Cavs are three and zero against teams that they could consider potential playoff challengers the Wizards the Bucks and the and Celtics. oh and the Celtics yeah. and then they're one and six against everyone else but yeah that game by LeBron I mean that's got to be up there you know Bill Simmons was saying it's the best game anyone's ever had in their 15th season or later that, but that's yeah. did you see the game score thing that it was so I, I think Haverstro had this that for in terms of game score it was the best game by somebody I don't know if it was by season or whatever but it was the best one by far and the only thing that came close in terms of game score was actually Kobe's final when he scored yeah. when he scored the but, 60 but, but he also took uh took 50 shots at that game that, that game was a complete farce we're not allowed to speak ill of that game Nate also still one of my favorite dunked on episodes yeah we, we should we should try to get David Locke's like honest thoughts about that sometimes <laughs> Uh, but let, let's move on to the Pistons. Yeah, we, we so, won't go quite as long on some of these teams. We're we're already. Yeah. What are we here? I think the I think the Pistons are a team we're not going to go. Yeah, long we're on. we're already so, an hour in, and we've gone through what like five teams. We we have to speed it up a little bit here. Sorry, this is why we start at the end for the next episode. So we apologize for the rest of y'all. But yeah, um, yeah, that's why we go in reverse. Uh, so the Pistons are seven and three. They have a positive three point four net rating, which is ninth, eighth in offense, thirteenth in defense, and I would not have expected it to be in that order. Yeah, eighth in offense is pretty remarkable and a lot of that is built on unsustainable shooting we talked about that uh, in more detail and they, they had a nice game against the kings which is you know they might be the kings might be the worst team in the nba than them bulls um they're kind of a level of badness i think below everyone else uh but yeah the offense has looked solid a lot of that has been maybe some unsustainable shooting they also had a really nice win against milwaukee recently at home even if no one is coming to the games at their brand new arena but people have been talking about that a lot i think part of the reason for that is it was just like this arena was always being built it's kind of viewed as just like the red wings arena and then the pistons kind of just glommed onto that downtown arena in uh you know there wasn't like three years of anticipation hey season ticket holders like get ready get your seats in the new arena like blah blah like get fired up for this new season it was just kind of announced in like february or something of last year that they're moving into the little caesar's arena downtown detroit and then also i think they're gonna have to build up some new fans because auburn hills is so far away from downtown there's a different demographic in Detroit as well you know a lot of this was like kind of the rich like auto executives who were their fan base and then they're just not really an exciting team I mean they're one of the least exciting teams to watch in the NBA and they've made the playoffs once since 2009 so it's gonna I mean I think they'll still do just fine there Detroit is actually a big market they have a big TV contract that they signed back when they were, had been good for a while so I think they'll uh they'll be okay they just have to actually be good and maybe that's the question but this year you know they're looking 
looking like a, a solid playoff team to date, at least. Sure. And and a big part of that, well, not a big part, but a part of it is this fascination of Andre Drummond suddenly hitting his free throws. So he has massively, massively struggled early in his career to the point where, you know, he's a 40, 40% career shooter and he shot 16 to 20 in the preseason. So you're saying they're going, okay, you know, super small sample and all that. And now he's 30 of 40 in the regular season, 75%. And there isn't really a precedent that we could find for it. This is a very hard thing to search because you can't really search for improvements on things like basketball reference. Hopefully, if if any of our if anybody who listens to this works for like the Elias Sports Bureau, one of those places that has a differently searchable database, check it out. Please, please help us. But some I, I went back and found a piece that James Herbert wrote for CBS about Drummond trying to con, trying to make his free throw routine more consistent in terms of both like a breath, one dribble, and knee bend. And that was a big flaw in it before. I don't think it's going to be 75% moving forward, but if it's even 50-60%, that is massive for the Pistons. Yeah, I think so, and maybe that can cause him, because he's gotten pretty soft lately, like in terms of just like his strength around the basket, and like maybe he'll be a lot more aggressive now knowing that he can go to the foul line and it won't be a huge problem for him. I'm excited for him. I mean, I always really feel badly for these guys who just have these mental issues, Um, and if he does improve, it really would be just about unprecedented like chris weber had many years where he was like in the 50s and then he became a 70 percent free throw shooter and was that kind of for the rest of his career after like five or six years that's really the only guy who with after years and years of bad free throw shooting was able to like permanently improve by his free throw shooting by more than 20 percent and now i mean this is there's a lot of concern here right because even Shaq, you know had one year where he got to 62 percent and then he regressed for the remainder of his career you know i think when it's mental it can always kind of come back for you you know it's not necessarily that he solved it i mean i like that it's one dribble i've always felt that for guys who have these mental issues just having a faster routine so you just don't have as much time to think about it it helps a little bit um so yeah i I really hope he can continue this i mean uh pelton had a great stat that drummond had never in his career made more than 12 free throws in a span of 16 attempts before friday i mean that's pretty amazing to think of that he's never ever even shot 75 percent over 16 attempts and and he also noted that if he were still truly a 40.1 percent shooter the odds of him shooting as well as he has so far are about one in five hundred thousand. so he's there does appear to be something real that's going on here i I really hope that it continues for him Uh, a couple other notes stanley johnson playing a lot more i think that has helped this team's defense that he's a quality option there um and he's at least gotten he was shooting very poorly early in the year he had like one oh for 13 game early on but he's up to 31 minutes a game and he's at least hitting 33 percent from downtown And, and of course we don't know whether that's going to continue or not this early but looks more comfortable taking him he's at least taking four a game now which is enough to keep the defense honest reggie jackson also taking four a game as well and hitting a reasonable percentage and they're getting outstanding three-point shooting from avery bradley who's 42 percent tobias harris taking 6.1 threes a game now he's up to 46 percent that won't continue again but he again looks much more comfortable taking those shots and he's making them so far oddly enough tobias harris is averaging 19.7 points a game and he's at 1.5 free throw attempts per game that's if he averages that many points that's got to be a record for like fewest free throw attempts per game for a guy scoring like 19 points or over it has to be i mean that that's remarkable anything else on these guys no i want to keep an eye on just how they run the rotations and and where all this goes because there are a lot of players that i like but i do worry a little bit about their their ceiling engine that just kind of the regression i mean we talked about their eighth their eighth in offense but let's let's jump to a central division team that i believe they play this week because i think i was writing 
talking about it for League Pass Games of the Week. The Indiana Pacers, 5-5, five and five, net rating of plus 1, which is 12th in the league, 5th in offense, 22nd in defense. And where we're probably going to focus on this, it was a game you and I both watched. They're intensely entertaining eventual loss to the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I got some trivia for you first here. Can you name the longest tenured Indiana Pacer? Assuming you... I can assu- be- Oh, you saw it I can the because broadcast. they talked about oh, it on the broadcast. Okay. But it's... Uh, it, was a great, it was a great question, though. Uh, the answer is Miles Turner, who was drafted in the 2015 draft. That's amazing. Yeah, they've seen uh, quite a bit of turnover. So Turner has returned. He came off the bench on Friday, missed two weeks, over two weeks with that concussion and neck soreness. He started today, and this is going to be something I think we should be monitoring very closely, is what is the usage going to be between him and Sabonis? So, of course, they played extremely well with Sabonis out there. Sabonis not a great defensive option at center, but, you know, I think you can make the argument that the offense has flowed better with Sabonis out there. I mean, they, they kind of provide different things with Turner providing more spacing and pick and pop, you know, maybe, but Sabonis probably, you know, just moves the ball more quickly, more passing, and just a little bit better feel, a little bit better deep post-ups against switches as well. And Turner was played 24 minutes. They didn't play together much. They played together just a little bit, I think, at the start of the fourth quarter as the Knicks began making their run. I don't care for the fit of them together for a number of reasons. One, because it gets Thaddeus Young off the floor. Young, by the way, four or four on threes today. I think he's finally getting over the damage that Doug Collins did to his career way back in Philly when he told him to stop shooting threes. And so that's one reason. And then also, I think Sabonis, you know, it makes him more of an outside player. Like they're running pick and roll with Sabonis. And what's been so effective, especially against the Cavs, for example, was Sabonis getting the ball on a short roll and then being able to make a decision, either get to the basket and then really force help off a three-point shooter. And then he's able to set those guys up or, or score himself or move the ball into another action on the weak side. And so there was a telling play where Turner was under the basket and maybe he could just space out more, but I don't think they really like him just like being a pure spot up option yet. But Savonis just ran right into Turner's defender and then just like couldn't get it to him. The spacing wasn't there. And you could tell Savonis just wasn't used to having another guy down there in the dunker spot taking up space. So we'll see. I mean, both those guys have played well. And maybe, you know, I think the Al Jefferson didn't play today at all against a team that plays a traditional center the whole way in the Knicks. So I think Savonis will get all of the backup center minutes. And, but we'll see. You know, I mean, Savonis closed this game instead of Turner. And you know, they ended up losing, obviously. But it'll be something to monitor. Yeah, it is going to be something to monitor and they'll have to get all these dynamics right it also i mean their three best big men right now are thad miles turner and sabonis but you probably will want to have a fourth guy presumably that'll be tj leaf when he comes yeah, back yeah you know i, I getting... hope that maybe sabonis can they can get away with sabonis playing some four because then they can yeah, get leaf have... out of the rotation i mean they've really struggled with their bench bigs that's been a big problem so if they could just have all of those and maybe they can get gr3 some minutes at the four when he comes back you know they've been missing him this whole time so maybe if they can get by without having to play Leaf or Jefferson, that might really help them a lot. Yeah, it definitely would. And it's, it, I mean, you have with them right now, you have some real high watermarks. I mean, Victor Oladipo has been dominant at the beginning of the year, 25 points per game at a 65% true shooting. I believe those stats are before today's game. And they've also, this is a small thing, but it's something that I always like watching. They have the lowest opponent free throw percentage in the league. And that is, of course, something that teams have no impact in 71.9 but to their credit they have the second lowest opponent free throw rate which is something they can't control there that's uh they're 16 percent per ben fox uh for cleaning the glass yeah oladipo struggled a little bit today only seven out of 21 one of seven on 
on threes so his shooting is going to cool off this is another crazy hot shooting team i mean they and with our upcoming special guest tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit more about their offense so i don't want to ruin that uh let's do a quick read here and then we'll get to miami that quick read with movement watches movement watches is one of the best things that i can recommend as a holiday gift in, in fact last hanukkah last christmas uh my mom got gifts for my cousins her nieces and got them both movement watches and they're fantastic all that gift giving anxiety can disappear with the press of a button these watches make the perfect purchase for just about anyone in your life guy or girl i especially really like their women's watches a lot uh, my fiance really likes hers also and they started just 95 dollars. i really like their styled minimalism and it looks like a watch that costs hundreds more i was never really a watch guy but these provide style that you really didn't know was possible without spending like hundreds and hundreds of dollars at a department store they are able to knock it down of course like we often talk about by selling online cutting out the middleman and the retail markup they're not paying for these huge bricks and mortar stores and displays just go check out the link mvmt.com slash cap space that'll get you 15 percent off with free shipping and free returns and just scroll through there and see if if you like their stuff i think that'll be a great way and i think you'll find something there that you like you'll find that it's affordable it's really an excellent way to buy someone something that they're going to appreciate wear every day people don't really buy watches for themselves anymore that's always like a great present to me is something that you buy for someone that they wouldn't buy for themselves but that they still appreciate that url again movement.com mvmt.com slash cap space get that 15 percent off and join the movement the miami heat four and five after a nearly blown 25 point lead at the end of the third quarter against the clippers today but they're able to finish it off net rating of negative one that is 21st in the nba 20th in offense 17th in defense this is a team where their offensive fundamentals are very interesting because they're not bad in terms of shooting from the field but they've really struggled in every other aspect of offense right so their turnover rate is ludicrously high 16.8 percent bottom five in the league they're not getting offensive rebounds i fully expect that to change because they had a similar disparity last year with and without us on Whiteside, and Whiteside's missed a bunch of times so that one should get better and they haven't gotten to the free throw line another one that should get better with us on white side yeah he missed a lot of time with that bruised knee and i think where do you think of him as a player where are we on him at this point you know he's got he got that max contract three plus one had multiple suitors there of course but that was that crazy offseason of 2016 you know certainly puts up all-star type of numbers in the box score but you know has long been derided as not being that smart of a player not being that good defensively being a little selfish in terms of being a stat chaser we saw that a little bit today actually where you know part of it was that deandre jordan was getting rebounds over him and part of it was that he got some alley-oops early in the game when Whiteside came over to help but by the end of the game he really just was not coming over to help uh, adequately he was just staying with his man jordan and letting blake griffin get to the basket and not really affecting him so that's kind of an example still but he also had a nice play on, on the last play of the game as the clippers tried to win it moving his feet with griffin and contesting on a tough fadeaway jump shot but what's your opinion of him at this point certainly talented and i think he could be a better even a better overall defensive player than he has been just by really grinding down and focusing on what helps his team win the the box score chasing stuff is there but at a certain point a player becomes awfully close to incorrigible i mean when you think about what it's taken for him to get to this point the contract he has and how long he's been with miami now maybe that's just not going to be there certainly though a talented player can be a force on the offensive glass as well which is useful and can be a you know a stabilizing factor i don't think he's going to be the best player on a really really good team but 
Miami fortunately has a lot of other talent, I, I, I and they mean, have do, a lot of other talent. I mean, like is that. he at least like a positive player for them? Yeah, I would say yes. So, like, I would say he's a positive yeah. player for them. You see that when he's gone, and it's yeah. not like their backup bigs are horrendous. I mean, yeah, Bam's a rookie, but Olenek has you know the, the the fact that they've been missing him so much, especially on the glass, is notable. Yeah, and they did struggle. Like Bam, negative fourteen net rating in his ninety-eight minutes so far. Jordan Mickey only played just a, a little bit. So getting Bam out of the rotation, I mean, I think that's a big part of it too. Is just you know they don't have any rookie big i mean bam's had a few highlights but it hasn't been been good other than that and just to have now 48 minutes of quality center play between he and olenic i think makes a big difference for them another interesting note is this is a team you know we've talked about teams that are shooting really well and are possible to regress like the magic that's already started happening with them maybe the pacers fall into that category miami is in the opposite like they are actually getting the most corner threes in the league but they are shooting only 28% on such shots which is 27th in the NBA so there and only 21% uh from or I'm sorry 21st in the NBA on threes overall and they're getting to the rim a fair amount too they're top 10 in getting to the rim and especially with Whiteside back I think that's only going to continue you mentioned the offensive rebounding will get better with him as well so I think they could be poised to go on a run here I am not that worried about them I thought they played really well uh Josh Richardson has been outstanding for them so far they've he's got the best net rating of any of their main guys um one concern is that with Dragic and waiters on the floor they really have not played well waiters has been a big struggle they haven't defended with those guys out there uh and digging into those guys stats a little bit waiters in particular just has not hit the three ball the way he did last year and but a lot of it has been defensively too and i think that's maybe where some of that ankle soreness has been an issue and Dragic, as he gets into his early 30s never a great defender is going to continue to decline there what else have we seen from these guys here I, I guess we can talk a little bit about waiter's stats too he's still really high usage um and he does deserve credit for getting to the, the rim more and actually making his shots we'll see if that continues 66 percent at the rim and he's usually like around 50 percent uh he always gets to the rim just fine it's, and it's really weird he's another one of these guys who's just like not getting fouled at all as a high usage guy um what else do you have on them now that i've rambled on for quite a time <laughs> so two other things i wanted to mention one is there's this potentially notable anomaly i don't think so i think it's just noise at this point where they've been the league's best first quarter team they have a plus 20 4.2 net rating and they've been one of the league's worst third quarter teams negative 20.5 net rating and an offensive rating below 80 in third quarters and why that's weird is because generally speaking teams play similar personnel in the first and third quarters so this is not like yeah. oh your starters are good and your backups suck these are largely apples to apples things and so that's something i want to do and then the other part you talked about how they're poised to go on a run i agree with you in terms of the statistical foundation and when you see some of their guys that i think could be playing better they're getting Whiteside back. The problem that could be weighing against that and why it might be a little delayed for them is the schedule. So they only play three more home games in the entire month of November. Two of them are against Washington and Boston, so those could be pretty tough games. They do have some winnable road games like Phoenix and Chicago, but that part of it, and maybe it's maybe it's one of those things where they're playing better, but they're still losing a couple games and they really kick in more around the holidays. And I, I do like the fundamentals of this team. I'm not super freaked out about them, but you always worry that if they do struggle in this time that maybe that'll 
they'll they'll hurt their psyche a little bit though this is a team that went through that crap last year yeah no if any team can be counted on to bounce back from that it's maybe Miami let's get to Milwaukee they had this great start Giannis has been unbelievable he's probably been statistically at least the best player in the NBA to date at least in terms of offense but they're down to a negative 3.9 net rating they're four and five uh the offense despite the presence of Giannis 16th in the NBA and the defense is now down to 25th so I want to break this into the two components because I think offense and defense because I think both of them have important stories to tell so Milwaukee as you said 16th in offensive rating but they're third in effective field goal percentage so in terms of shooting they're up there and that is certainly a good thing you know you want a team to be it be high in, in the shooting stuff but some of the concerns for the other elements aren't necessarily things that are going to be corrected they do not get offensive rebounds that is a tactical decision by Jason Kidd they're dead last they're the the idea is that they'll get that they will get back in transition they haven't been as great there but they also aren't getting to the line that much I mean really it's Giannis and not a whole heck of a lot else and they're middle of the road in turnovers and so if you're not really providing extra opportunities in that way if you're not getting to the line getting those easy points if you're giving up points in in turnovers and then you're not getting extra ones in offensive rebounding you can shoot really well and just not be a good offense and the other team that's an example of this right now is the Sixers the Sixers are getting their first shots have been pretty good but they haven't been great offensive rebounding they've, they've been turning the ball over way more than the Bucks, and I don't see those elements getting a whole hell of a lot better they'll they'll improve and I think they'll be a better overall offense but the fundamentals of that are really concerning yeah it is and I think their performance with certain guys on the floor is also concerning Thon Maker really they have not gotten enough at center Greg Monroe struggled all through camp and now has been shut down with calf soreness he's out at least two weeks and just had not been himself John Henson who we never can understand why he's playing he actually has an 8.3 net rating although you know I'm not gonna say necessarily that like he's doing something so right offensively you know I think that's mostly other people around them I, I don't know how much that has to do with him actually being great and then Thon Maker negative 15.9 net rating he definitely subjectively kind of gets killed on the defensive glass but they're not defensive rebounding horribly with him out there 75 percent is not good in today's day and age but not horrendous either and then he is shooting okay from three spacing the floor but for whatever reason they just can't score and he's out there I mean I think that that's more just bad luck and bad shooting by everyone else when he's been out there frankly um and there's really no reason why they would struggle so much defensively but I, I think the, the bigger problem though is I mean that's something to watch a little more closely in our next Bucks game is like why they've been so bad with Thon out there uh the fact that this team is 25th in defense I mean who is a bad defender on this team you know I mean other than maybe like Toledovich who they've also been really bad with him out there but you know there aren't really guys Monroe I think has, has shown more effort um like who, who on this team really just sucks so badly that they should be 25th in defense that's a big part of it especially when you consider that they you know they getting minutes from Tony Snell and Chris Middleton as the starting you know two and three and both those guys are I would say they're, would you yeah, say they're both I, above I mean, average look at their, their starting lineup like as all long guys who can move their feet like Brogdon is, has plenty of good defensive tools they got Giannis out there Snell Middleton and Giannis at his natural position when he can be yeah. a better help defender yeah I mean Maker should be a, a good defender at least moving his feet he's got some issues in the post but like you know that nobody posts up anymore uh, Delhi is a guy who tries pretty hard de- defensively and knows where to be Henson has a lot of length and, and shot blocking like they they have and if you look at like compare them to like the Bulls like they have way more defensive talent than the Bulls do absolutely uh, and so I wrote a piece for the Athletic uh I think it was about two weeks ago about the teams that I thought could rival or could eventually compete with the Warriors for 
titles because it was for the athletic barrier. And what I wrote about for the Bucks was kind of like how they can get there. The biggest thing I wrote is that other than internal improvement, they need to find the right coach because part of what this is, is just the choices that Jason Kidd is making in terms of what to prioritize and what to disincentivize don't necessarily make sense with their talent. And that's the parallel I made to a point was with Mark Jackson, that Mark Jackson was kind of doing his thing, ignoring the fact that he had the greatest shooter of all time in his backcourt. I feel like to a point, Jason Kidd is just running his scheme and they could be doing better with the guys they have. Well, in theory, they have all these long guys like that Miami Heat style, get in your face, double team. We're going to rotate over. We're not going to give you anything at all. You know, I mean, Kevin Arnovitz was on the low post, talked a lot about this. He had this article about it. But you know what? You have a bunch of young guys. They're not executing perfectly. Like the whatever, it's been just too long this time. Even before Kid arrived there, I mean, they are 30th in giving up shots at the rim this season. Over the last seven years, they have never ranked better than 27th in the NBA in percentage of shots that they've given up at the rim. That is just absolutely pathetic. And you're just, if you're giving up that many shots at the rim, you're not really going to have any kind of a chance at being a good defense even though you know they're about average at forcing misses at the rim that's still you know a 60 percent shot a 59 percent shot so if you allow enough shots there yeah you might force more misses than the average team but you're still giving up a 59 percent shot every time and then they're also near the bottom once again and giving up corner threes too so they have so much talent they're just making it too difficult like how about you just switch everything you got these long ass dudes you make the team shoot over your length and then you gang rebound and go down to the other end and try and push in transition like you're it's really just why you you have all these guys that can move their feet and why you would get them out of position and because that's that's what they're doing right their defensive scheme i mean the number one thing that you're supposed to do on defense is to stay between your man and the basket and with the length that they have they can force them to shoot over that but instead they bring guys out so far away from the rim that they now have to race back and you're just out of position too often like just just try being more conservative and see what happens you know i mean they really have it's unacceptable that their defense is this bad i mean and like you know, they're getting lit up by like charlotte right i mean like they had this unbelievable offensive game and like charlotte puts up a buck 25 on them that's not exactly a murderous offense there also we have to mention this that they've been fouling a lot yeah. and that's another way that the other teams are getting easy baskets because if you're giving up a ton of shots in corner three you're giving up a ton of shots at the basket and you're fouling then you're, you're making life way too hard on yourself and so cleaning up one or two of those would help but I, i'm completely on board with you anything else on them before we move on to the knickerbockers no the knicks are above 500 yet again although at least this season their fundamentals are not out of line with that i mean you remember i forget what they were last year like oh, God. like 16 and 13 at one point last year and and i went on the, the 15 and 60 and talked about how they were about to go through a fall and i got knicks fans just yelling at me in the mentions for two weeks and then the rest of the season was them being very very still but yeah, so, this year so, somebody there's... was telling me like how oh, oh, this yeah. was great yeah he he, he <laughs> sent it to both of us he's like you tried to because i mean neil keen had a great game today and we we both liked him by the way everyone who's like oh we think neil keen sucks like no it's not true like we actually both thought he would be a quality starting player he just didn't have the upside of smith and so he's like oh yeah you said that like because they didn't draft dennis smith they drafted neil Aquina, that that was evidence the knicks dysfunction like don't worry pal first of all there's a little more evidence than just that of the knicks dysfunction and yeah it's dysfunction to have the guy who drafted a certain point guard for a certain system be fired five days after the draft or, or three days after the draft or whatever yeah i'm sorry that's dysfunction um anyway but it's good to see these but, guys playing well and uh 0.2 net rating five and four they are the 11th ranked offense in the nba we thought that they would be a bottom five maybe offense and defense they're 
in defense so far uh what are your thoughts there so we both watched the game today and i thought the ending of this game was hopefully a revelation for the coaching staff because what it showed was two basic points one pick and rolls involving Kristaps porzingis are really really hard to stop and two this knicks team when they have the right personnel out there can defend and when they defend they get much better looks offensively and like you saw that to me that run that they had towards the end of the game when they ended up taking control and and winning against the Pacers was fueled by defensive success and Kristaps Porzingis being ridiculous yeah it was and actually before we talk about Porzingis and Nilakina particularly actually give some credit to Ennis Cantor. like this was I mean it was against the Pacers which you know I know they're shooting well but they're not like exactly you know murderous pick and roll players for the Pacers but I guess that's my adjective of the day today murderous uh but for them Cantor was actually like getting up to the level of the ball he successfully switched a couple of times and I think it helps him a lot to have Porzingis out there as well as another rim protector behind him in those situations but he actually was like you know he didn't get killed in pick and roll except for like one time in that fourth quarter and then really I thought uh, Nilakina changed the game also Lance Thomas came in and really hounded Victor Oladipo into a, a pretty rough fourth quarter Thomas actually got a couple of dunks or he had like a dunk coming down the lane he had like another finish inside the Pacers didn't do a good enough job of just not guarding him because he's really kind of regressed from three at this point but he came in Thomas came in you know for the first time late in the third quarter and really gave them a jolt they had trailed uh by as many as 19 at one point um and then Nilakina, I I hadn't had a chance to watch the Knicks much in the last week that's why I really wanted to watch this game and people have been tweeting me about his defense and it was absolutely as good as advertised I had moments in this when I was flashing back to sitting on your couch when we were watching the synergy of his call of his not college because he didn't play in college but his euro stuff and just being like oh my god this guy is just unreal for a defender his age for a guard defender and his instincts are great there were a couple plays where he was able to basically dig down on a ball handler i think it was oladipo once and then it was somebody else another time without sacrificing his guy he's long enough and he's quick enough that he was able to get back to his player they didn't even get a shot up and he can do a lot of that at the same time and that's what the best guard defenders can do i mean beverly is a little bit different and and avery bradley because they more stay on their guy but i think nilkina can be a very good team defender for his position and be a good one-on-one defender and he did both of those in this game yeah i mean he he didn't get a turnover either time but he just like deflected the ball away twice from darren collison just dribbling out on the floor at midcourt and then he had two beautiful steals from the weak side i mean that's one thing that you'll see from guys who have played at a high level in europe versus college guys is and look and wasn't even necessarily at the highest level he's playing euro cup i think and in the french league but you know enough where hey you have to actually compete for playing time you're in a situation where you're going to be forced to learn that how to operate defensively and he came over twice from the weak side with fantastic steals he stole an entry pass after Saponis was trying to post up on him as well it was really just remarkable energy that he brought he had 10 points and seven assists basically all of it late hit a couple of threes and his pick and roll passing was really outstanding his chemistry with Porzingis I was tweeting that hey they got to bring another guy over and force some of these other Knicks shooters to beat them because Porzingis was moving beautifully without the ball Nilakina set him up for a dunk he set him up in pick and pop quite a few times as well um helped him get into the post when they were switching it he finally had one turnover late where Collison like veered back on a Porzingis and stole his little pocket pass um because he wasn't anticipating the switch but it was really very encouraging stuff for him and he looks like an NBA athlete and player out there too you know he doesn't look like super skinny and that physically underdeveloped um he also really was able to take advantage a couple of times when they didn't have Turner in there he's not the greatest finisher 
pressure at the rim but when Sabonis was in there he was able to uh, attack him and so just really to have those two young guys and the energy that he brought defensively was just very inspiring for me to see it and it was the garden crowd was loving it it was a great comeback win for the Knicks and we've spent a fair amount of time talking about Frank and we and we should but Porzingis has been ridiculous overall and in this game 40 points 15 of 24 from the field 2 of 4 from 3 8 of 9 also 6 blocks a lot of which were the highlight variety and I don't know who runs the Draft Express content account whether it's just like all the people there booted but they had the stat that Porzingis had 2 blocks in the first 3 games and then 12 in the last 5 games yeah that's and you know they've been doing better with him playing at power 4 than I expected he's been moving his feet out on the floor a little better than I thought he would there was one time where uh, Collison hit a 3 when he and Nilakina failed to communicate his switch back but other than that he, he did pretty well and then he was able to help out on the back line behind Cantor as I mentioned but I mean this stretch that he's had now and it's been nine games of this has really been uh, maybe a better stretch than I ever thought that he might have in his whole career uh, like I didn't I and, and I'm guilty of consistently having underestimated him and also we need to note that he has started off really well before I mean not like this but and fallen off as the year has gone so he has to maintain this and this is a big load for him but I mean it's average he's at over 30 points in seven of his nine games you know I mean that's and he had 40 tonight I mean, obviously a, a career high plus 17 and, and very interesting that he's doing this not really shooting that many threes there's only two or four on threes in this game now the threat of that has been big but getting into the post against smaller players he's so comfortable now just shooting over smaller guys in the post he's gotten strong enough that he's not just getting like rooted out of there and, and we'll see what happens when he goes against some of the best defenders but I think he really has been enjoying having the height advantage rather than necessarily the quickness advantage we would have thought that that would be better for him but he really does seem to be better in the post than he is like facing up and actually driving to the rim against you know a center type player he really has played just about all of his minutes with another center next to him and that's the way he likes to play and, and I'll be honest like I didn't think it would be but it's been very effective so far another element I want to keep an eye on is that he is currently number one in clutch usage of players with more than 20 minutes in clutch time he's at 35.7 percent usage 59 percent true shooting which is about in line with what he's doing outside of clutch time so that's that's good and included some big baskets in this game and so if the Knicks can have him as a reliable offensive base there it looks like they're going to play more close games this year than they did last year at least as long as they stay healthy and having Porzingis and having Frank Nokina is important because if those two guys can be seen as long-term pieces it's a lot easier to fill out the rest of it they don't have a ton of flexibility for a couple years because of some mistakes that they've made in the building process yeah but I mean, if they had, if they just had those two guys and they they like didn't have the noah contract and they were actually going into this summer with some cap space i mean they actually could really make some noise potentially uh nilkin and, and porzingis is what i'm talking about here i mean if porzingis is really going to be this type of a player i mean is, is he the third best player well, I, I, well we'll we'll finish that first thought first but like you know yeah i mean they could have really done something here but now that you know they are hamstrung with the, all these issues uh with the cap yeah but let's get so i think the question you were going to ask is is he has he been the third best player in the eastern conference right yeah behind Giannis and lebron i can't think of anybody that i would have over it and i've been impressed also with him defensively like there have been other guys that have been really impactful but he's i mean he's delivering as a scorer and they've needed that and then he's been a nice help defender as well yeah he has been and he never turns it over which is a big part of his game as well um i mean 36 percent usage that's really and that was coming into tonight it's only gone up since then i mean i i just 
I didn't think it would be possible for him to get up this many shots and remain efficient and that's really been uh, quite remarkable he's getting to the foul line enough I mean he's not like crazy but considering how many shots he takes and how many outside shots he takes 34 percent free throw rate is totally good uh let's get to Orlando you know we talked about them as a team that could regress in terms of their shooting that certainly has happened over the last two games but in some ways also it's not being fair to them because their top two point guards have been out right so to give the broad picture they're six and four plus 3.7 net rating which is still seventh in the league 10th in offense 12th in defense and so what happened was both Alfred Payton who is still out with his hamstring injury and DJ Augustine who is now out missed time and so in that first game against Chicago which was disastrous for them for a lot of different reasons one of the mistakes I guess you could call it that that they made was that they played Shelvin Mack their only remaining point guard they started him and so what that meant was that they had a lot of their best ball handlers all on the floor together and when you start all those guys that means your your bench is going to be a disaster their bench was a disaster in that game what they did against Boston and it didn't affect the outcome of the game because Boston's a really good team they spun it in a cool way they didn't start a traditional point guard they played Fournier Ross and John Simmons together and then had Mac come off the bench and I thought that worked a lot better they still had some struggles they had a lot of the regression from shooting all in two games basically but it's hard to condemn them or say anything like that when you're looking at what hopefully is going to be an anomalous situation yeah they also fell off horrendously in terms of free throw rate th- these last couple of games and we'll see when augustine comes back i mean he has a hamstring injury so does peyton peyton i mean you know this wasn't supposed to be a major injury and he's now missed two weeks maybe he'll come back in the next game but i mean just the stats like with augustine in there 12.5 net rating with mac in there negative six points <laughs> so uh and it's not all mac's fault but i think you know, whatever happens like previously semi-competent backup point guards just like the first year they signed in orlando they're terrible and Thankfully, the other weird voodoo trend is that DJ Augustine being good in an even year uh, has counteracted that. But, you know, Augustine's not going to continue to be a panacea for them either. I mean, they really have to get Alfred Payton playing well. And we'll see. It's the shooting, as you mentioned, really regressed against the Bulls. They shot extremely poorly. I think they're like six out of 27 or something like that. Oh, I didn't mention it in the Chicago section, but the first half, I only watched part of it, but the first half of that Bulls-Pelicans game was an atrocity where both teams had 38 points and then it went to overtime at like I think it was 82-82 when it went into Oof. overtime I just had to mention that because it was it was the worst game I've even seen part of this year but let's get back to the magic the the part that is something that's really concerning with them is how much their offensive play so far has been propped up by shooting so they're second in effective field goal percentage which is great but they're middle of the road in turnovers they're almost dead last in offensive rebounds which isn't surprising because now Vooch is shooting threes and their free throw rate was stronger than it is now that's starting to get back and so they could get better from free throw rate but if those shots stop falling then this offense starts going off a cliff yeah and the, i think these are liam's notes in, in here it had a couple of notes that they are at least preventing teams from shooting three pointers only 27 percent of opponent shots coming three they've been sinking nikola vucevic in the pick and roll and that's giving up a lot of shots at the rim and good percentage at the rim 67 percent shooting at the rim with 26th in the nba but they are at least preventing threes and then also opponents are shooting only 31 percent from three which is the best three-point luck in the league so far um all right let's get to philly five and four i think uh keith puppy had a, a good joke to the effect of basically any season that the sixers try and win they get to over 500 although i guess that's not quite true because the year before the hinky era they were uh they really struggled but uh net rating negative 0.1 they have the 19th ranked offense and the 
16th ranked defense. A couple of different things that I want to look at with them, but where I want to start is what I think is the big question, the big question with them over the, this time that we're waiting for Marco Fultz, which is how good are they with Simmons, Embiid, and Covington particularly? So I looked at two different things. One is Simmons with and without Embiid. So they've been plus seven is their net rating when those two guys play together. And the difference between that and Embiid being off is almost entirely defensive. They they allow eight, I think it's actually closer to nine, nine points per hundred possessions different. So they go from being plus seven to negative 5.4. And then with all three of those guys together so far this year, they have a plus 11.4 net rating, 109 offense, 97 defense, 59.4% true shooting. And so that is with the guard positions being in complete flux. They had Redick for part of that time. They were out with Redick part of that time. They had, you know, TJ McConnell for part of that and lots of different things that they've been running through. And so they stay, have these assets outside of, you know, the players that they already have. And if those players provide the foundation, especially if they renegotiate and extend Covington, they can be going places in the future. Yeah. And while they have all these backup wings, they really have struggled without those guys on the floor. And JJ Redick remains a phenomenally underrated offensive player. They are 11.2 net rating with him on the floor, negative 14.1 with him on the bench. You know, he plays a lot of minutes with Embiid, obviously, but especially on offense, it really falls off uh, down to 94 offensive rating when TLC is on the floor, who's been his primary backup. Justin Anderson, they have been completely unable to score with him on the floor so far. When Fultz was in there, it was the same thing. Nick Stauskas has barely played. He's been pretty much out, out of the rotation. With Sharich as well, they have not really scored. He hasn't been able to be an efficient driver of the offense. Jared Bayless, they haven't been that good with him on the floor either. That's actually been the one difference is that McConnell is the one bench guy maybe where they've had a little bit better of a rating than with Bayless on the floor. But the two things that I said with Bodner that I was going to monitor this season and basically if these things went well, I could tell you their record was games played for Joel Embiid. He's played eight out of nine games, just missed one back-to-back due to rest when they got completely destroyed in Toronto. I mean, that that one game is probably really killing their numbers. And then Robert Covington's three-point percentage and Covington is shooting 49% from downtown and he's taking 8.43s per 36 minutes. It's even more actually than Redick is taking. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what Ben Simmons is doing right now. I think we are really almost haven't talked about him enough because, you know, he's kind of, if you just watch him on the surface, he's kind of been doing all the things that we thought he was going to do, but he's just been so much more efficient and higher usage than we would have thought he would have been coming in. Right. And I want to actually start with his, the overall offensive numbers, because you look through things like synergy or whatever you want to use. And a lot of that focuses on players as scores, because that's a lot easier to do, you know, shots and possessions and all that. But Simmons, if you look, because you can do this with possessions, including assists, they have been in 94th percentile in those plays in transition and about the 80th percentile in half court offense with Simmons in with Simmons on the floor. And, you know, as a scorer, he's been inconsistent. He's actually, you know, he's had a couple of a couple of nice moments in isolation, actually. But again, it's small possession totals. But when you add in those assists, he's special. But as a scorer, I think he's been more efficient than I anticipated, too. Yeah. At the rim, we really worried about his finishing, but he's shooting 67 percent at the rim. That's very good. And he's when especially when you consider that guys are just backing off and on shots away from the rim, 42 percent is like actually OK. He doesn't take any threes um, and he's never going to like spot up or anything either. You know, I mean, a lot of those are just late clock plays where he's only got six points on 13 attempts there, which is horrendous. Uh, but really, 
and like as a pick and roll ball handler he's been really effective as well you know getting a lot of possessions and not terrible numbers considering that that's a relatively inefficient play type overall i mean i've really liked some of the creative stuff that they've done and this is the athletic your colleagues there have done a nice job of highlighting this how because he can't shoot a lot of times you know if they'll run like a floppy action for reddick right they'll bring him off a screen and so a lot of times what teams will do is if the guy breaks open and it's a great shooter they'll have whoever is throwing the pass from the top who's ever defending that guy will slough off to try to take away you know someone like reddick curling up the wing for a three-pointer and so then they'll throw it right back to simmons and simmons does a great job of doing you know those dunleavy drives he was really the first guy i remember to do it uh where he gets a running start as he's catching the ball and he's already at speed and moving towards the basket and there's just no way for the guy to recover they'll take advantage of reddick's gravity on those plays and compared to maybe like someone like rondo who you know would get ahead of steam going to the rim and then just like couldn't finish or like wasn't really going to be aggressive once simmons has a head of steam going to the rim he's able to do something with it or you know he can then force help and and set up a pass so uh, he's been very effective that way i've loved what they've done with him against switches getting into the post also and then transition i mean he's been a wonderful defensive rebounder and that anytime he gets a defensive rebound it's basically going to be some kind of a slight advantage at least in transition for the other team because he really pushes the ball hard and one of the things that you notice about him too is his dribbling is really outstanding a lot of times in the nba you know you can just have whoever bring the ball up the court because teams just don't really pressure the ball especially at any position other than point guard and but simmons like you'll see guys like his size if a point guard is kind of just around they'll end up dribbling defensively and simmons he just attacks no matter who is there and he'll go behind his back he'll cross over he can do it all at full speed and he's not worried about getting the ball stolen by anyone no matter who it is when he's dribbling up in transition and so he's able to push the ball with such confidence um and the only thing that's really been killing them right now in offense is their turnover yeah and that was a big bugaboo last year too i think that will get better with time i hope that it will but a couple other things with simmons you talked about his rebounding 22.6 percent defensive rebound rate for a power forward which defensively is pretty much what his role is is very good his free throw attempt rate is 40 percent which is awesome and you know he's not the greatest free throw shooter in the world but getting there provides value anyway because it gets guys in foul trouble it you know it allows you to to set your defense a lot of other benefits and overall i mean i just want to do his basic stats just so we have this out there because i think you do lose sight of this 18 points per game 8.8 rebounds 8.2 assists 3.4 turnovers 1.6 steals 21.1 per 53.8 true shooting 23.8 usage for a rookie who sat out all of last year yeah and those steals especially for a guy his size i mean you don't see that type of steal right for a guy his size except in very very rare cases let's get to the toronto raptors now at five and four 3.5 net rating did have kind of a rough loss to the wizards today without john wall in toronto kyle lowry got thrown out of the game after only 12 minutes and that's a game they really should have won they gave up 38 points to brad beal the wizards are not good without john wall it was the dreaded first game back from a west coast road trip uh, but they'd had a really nice win in utah early as they lit up the previously good utah defense and then it went by the wayside uh, what do you got on these guys sure DeRozan has has done well this year and i don't want to discount that but we'll talk about him yeah. more i think his scoring later on. is what down it? like five points a game though yeah and he's shooting threes for the first time which is nice yeah not making them though i mean he had one game no, where but he at was, least yeah. he's taking him he had one game yeah, he had that one game yeah. it was like five of five of six or something like that i try to remember what yeah that I, I don't even know if it was that good but yeah overall only 24 percent. so i will see whether he really like gets guarded or not but what i've been struck by watching them and i really do enjoy 
anyway, the the Raptors have become, and I always have a couple of these teams, a great counter programming. So I actually watch a lot of their second unit because some teams are just really fun to watch when they have other guys on the floor. And this team is just full of fascinating young players. So Jakob Pertl, his best game was the one that we saw in person when he just had a million offensive rebounds against the Warriors. He's been very good so far. OG Ananobi has impressed a lot over over these couple games. Or I mean, it's 10 games now almost. And Pascal Siakam has, has looked good. He's bounced around a little bit in terms of role. And they don't need those guys to be superstars. They Especially now that you know that they, they have Norman Powell and he's locked up long-term and they have CJ Miles. They don't need a ton from them, but they're getting quality regularly from them. And, and DeLon Wright's had some moments too. Yeah, all of their net ratings have been outstanding off the bench. I mean, we, these statistics from these guys are just outstanding. Like Siakam has a 22 PER. Bebe in limited minutes, 23 PER. Pirtle, who started for a few games with Valanchunas out, 20.9 PER, 19% offensive rebound rate uh, spurred on by that when he had the double-digit offensive rebounds that Golden State game. Uh, I mean, Siakam somehow has 19% usage, which is really remarkable for him to, to level of confidence that he's shown. Uh, Valanchunas, not a bench guy, but he also has, has been very good statistically so far. So really, I think those guys, in some ways have carried their big stars DeRozan hasn't been quite as good this year and Lowry really has had a rough start uh only 51% true shooting he's been one of the more efficient players in basketball 32% on threes and the big thing to watch with him though I mean the threes you know it's not really early enough it's too early to really say if that's some sort of a permanent change and he's actually been getting to the rim a little bit more too which reversing a trend from last season but his free throw rate has plummeted he was getting like a 40% free throw rate and a lot of it was the bs stuff right the come around the screen feel the guy on your back throw something up like very few of his free throws were going all the way to the rim getting fouled in a traditional sense where you're really putting pressure on the defense and so i'm not sure whether it's the result of these new rules where there's been a point of emphasis to not give that call up and make it a non-shooting foul or just it's in people's heads now or whatever it is to go from 40 percent free throw rate to 12 percent free throw rate like in one year like if that doesn't improve it's going to be a major problem for his efficiency it was just such a bedrock not only for him but for the raptors team and to correct my own mistake a little bit DeRozan, his best three-point game was three of seven yes. it wasn't nearly as good as i thought it was and he's only had three games where he's attempted more than two it's basically been that he has three games where he's uh, went five five and seven and so it's it's the average numbers are higher but his game to game is not super high yeah i mean and it's really the big problem with him is the gravity when he's off the ball like the just percentage that he's shooting i mean it'd be nice if you had to go over with on him on the pick and roll too which you know that he's a long way away from that too um being able to hit a wide open spot up would, would be nice though i'm not sure that he's even at that point yet it would take a lot of three for seven games for that to happen last thing on them bruno caboclo has played seven minutes this year actually i have one more thing and it involves the same number they've only played seven minutes of clutch basketball this entire season so far and they have a negative 60.4 net rating but i think most that's because it was that comeback against the Warriors but seven minutes of within five points with five minutes to go in nine games is very very little 
yeah and that presumably will change but we haven't had much chance to see whether their clutch offense has improved that one game against the Warriors when they got waxed in the last 10 minutes of the game it it did not improve now that's a team that switches a lot it's harder uh, to have good clutch offense against a team like that but they definitely you know they had a lot of assists they've had a lot of assist games they're talking about playing a new way but when under pressure they did default back to the usual one-on-one crap and they couldn't score down the end of that game um all right last one here Washington Wizards five and four plus 2.5 net rating which is good for 10th in the league seventh in offense 18th defense and we did that game against the Cavs when their defense was just awful just absolutely the transition defense in particular was absolutely abysmal and what ended up you know we worried about it at the time because John Wall he ran into Channing Fry and had a shoulder injury well Channing Fry ran into him he definitely committed like a a kind of a yeah that's 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 fair yeah yeah that's that's thank you for making the clarification so we he said something like after the game like his arm was on fire and so that was a concern thankfully no structural damage just soreness but they did keep him out of the game against the Raptors and as we just said they ended up winning and what concerns me broadly about the Wizards is that not their capability like I think the theory of this team is sound they have you know they can have a good offense John Wall and Beal has had some really big games I thought he he had a wonderful game today and they have capable players I think the Gortat stuff is there if their defense was more consistent I would be more of a believer in them but you just sit there and you go partially with some of the losses they have they lost a game to the Suns at home and you have game and yeah the Suns have been a lot better since Earl Watson came out but you just sit there and go why should I trust them and that's never a good feeling to have they have a lot of explosive capability and I think uh, despite the fact that they got embarrassed by LeBron the other day and by the way their strategy against LeBron especially late when he went post up was really pathetic because the Cavs had Rose and Wade on the floor and they still weren't doubling LeBron in the post like you know maybe, maybe you should double off these guys who've never made a three-point shot uh, but uh, that aside they have a lot of explosiveness they can get out and transition their third in transition frequency off a live rebound 38 percent of the time they're able to get a transition play when the other team misses a shot and that's all a lot of volatility there right they can they can score with anybody in the league just about on the right night but over a seven game series I don't trust their defense enough and they really struggled that's what killed them against Boston in game seven in that series and they just could not stop anybody and then their bench just isn't good enough so those guys have to play more minutes and then the defense ends up being worse as well John Wall in particular um he tried to guard LeBron the other night but he just is not the same guy he'll even when he does fight over the screen sometimes he had one play where he fought over the screen and he's just like "Eh, I'm just gonna take myself out of the play and like do the matador reach around and miss that and then just you know gave up you're giving up a five on four at that point once you do that and you know maybe Marquise will help a little bit he looks so bad he's gonna need a while to get back into shape he looked awful on Friday uh coming back from that hernia which is not a joke surgery by any means yeah I, I don't really trust them they have a lot of talent well the other thing about them too is that wall is not he's a great passer in the half court but he's not really a great scorer in the half court and then I think especially against good defense he's pretty switchable and he's going to take a difficult three or a mid-ranger off a switch and that's just not going to be great offense at the end of games a lot of times can we just give them two of the raptors bench guys for the rest of this year (laughs) not that the raptors bench guys i think are necessarily amazing players individually but just to make it more amusing and also having markeith will help that too just because whether they use keith in that role which i think they should or they use kelly Ubre there that will add some some talent and good job by them to actually get a little bit more from those guys today when they're playing against the raptors and that was a super weird game lowry i i it's always hard when a player gets tossed to say what 
whether it was a, a good call or not when it's about talking to the refs because you don't know exactly what was said. It yeah. looked a little bit off. D- Dwayne Casey um, was pissed off about that. He he said that, uh, you know, a, a young official should walk away from a confrontation instead of allowing it to escalate was, was his quote after the game. But what were you going to say? I was going to say that it, I did. I was impressed with Washington just that without Wall out there, Frazier, you know, Frazier, I don't think he had just this unbelievable game. The game really turned because they blitzed the Raptors in the first quarter and then just held on for dear life after that. But they needed, you know, just enough from those guys and they got just enough from them. So that was good. The one thing I, I don't think we're going to break this down because I don't think either of us watched closely, but just through the nature of how we do these podcasts that I want to just mention is the ridiculousness that was James Harden's game tonight, because we again, we don't we don't talk about it that way. But I'll, I'll let you say if you have anything on the Wizards, but I just want to have that for posterity. I just want to like give the numbers on it for the hell of it. Yeah, I mean, I was concentrating all this, so I haven't even had a chance to watch it yet. But yeah, go, go ahead if we could finish up here. So keep in mind, he did not play the end of this game because they were walloping the Jazz, who have had two rough defensive games in a row, though this was just Harden being a monster. So he had 22 points in the first quarter and four assists. Then he, he ended the game 56 points, 9 of 25 from the field, 7 of 8 from Na- 3. 19 11 of 25 of, from the field. 19 of 25. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 13 assists, 2 rebounds, 7 turnovers. But also, I think it was a stat that NBA Stats and in, NBA Stats had that it was the third most points accounted for or like basically created in a game ever, which is astonishing because and, and when you consider that he only played 35 minutes because they didn't need him to play the, in the end of the game and he finished one off the the Rockets franchise record in points Calvin Murphy had 58 or 57 years ago and so just that type of performance and just reminder that James Harden is one hell of a basketball player yeah uh, and Houston is going to be a really interesting one I, I've kind of they've kind of fallen off my radar screen a little bit because Chris Paul's been on I just haven't been that curious to see what they look like I, I want to focus in on them more when he's back but uh, time to watch a little of them this week um and that will do it for today thanks so much for listening nice long one here i think we're over two hours at least in terms of raw recording time probably some of that will get edited up but uh, hopefully gave you your money's worth today you can also get your money's worth at movement watches mvmt.com slash cap space for the holidays make great holiday gifts check out that link see if you find something that you or anyone else important in your life would like and we will be back on monday night with uh, hopefully a special guest talk to you all then At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.